0: Hello everyone, Mark Loudon here for the podcast, Please Use the Mic. Uh, I do, I'm do. i a tech guy at the Ohio University Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine. I work with, every day, a year two student, Suzanne Char, who's the star of this show. And tonight, we have episode 17 of season two. We're talking about Rust. Suzanne, what is Rust?
1: Well, are you doing it just so I can get it right? It's thorough and... Urban Scholars Pathway Program. Dun, dun,
0: dun, dun. <laughs> Yep, she got it right. See, she knows what she's doing. And we have a guest.
1: Who was? Yeah. So, Megan Trout, welcome back.
0: Friend of the I'm show. I'm going to
1: say you're an OMS 3.
2: Yes, almost there. Um, Got to finish these boards and then we'll be an OMS 3. Super exciting. And super happy to be here. I think this is my third time on the podcast so you know third time's a charm of becoming a regular (laughs) you should we should
1: just add you as a co-host to the podcast and then that would be a perfect right
2: talk to me in a couple weeks when these boards are over and I might be able to consider that offer it just depends on the pay and the benefits oh yeah
1: zero pay I'm sorry Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) zero benefit every other medical student thing that I do So how's life with board prep? It's going. Um, if you ask any uh, second year, soon to be third year, uh, that's about the answer that you get. You'll get anywhere from terrible to bad, um, and I think anywhere in between. I haven't really heard anybody doing absolutely great, but we're all in this together, and um, we've been doing some board review classes, and it's just been a nice little group. Um, a nice little community. Uh, we eat lunch together um, at 12 outside, and it feels like we're in summer school. Um, I bought fruit roll ups to put in my lunchbox just to make myself um, have a slither, like a sliver of serotonin. Um, we eat our apple slices and our fruit roll ups, and we pretend we're in summer
0: school. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun to watch all the zombies studying in the building when they're coming through. Must study more. Must study more. It's good.
2: Yeah, I keep seeing other um, like students in the building right now. The summer programs are going on, and then uh, like I think there was like just some tours today, and I was like, man, anybody looking in this room right now probably is questioning a lot of their life decisions because we look like zombies. Um, mm-hmm. There's like 15 cups of coffee sitting on the table and the bags under our eyes are about as purple as they can get. And we just honestly look like we're having the best time ever, so. (laughs) Welcome to med school. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: But it's a good time. I like to, I I, kind of complain about it a little bit, but honestly, um, it's it's not that bad. I am happy to be here and try to appreciate even the terrible moments and realize that this is what I want to do. So you take the good with the bad, the highs and the lows.
0: Absolutely.
1: So tell us about Rusp. You did you start with your first year?
2: Are you yep, like I, from day one in Rusp? Yep, day one. Um, I started in Rusp. Uh, I got the email about it beforehand, and uh, it you know was like, "Are you interested in rural medicine, and urban medicine, and basically serving underserved populations?" And I knew that was what I wanted to do—an um, avenue I wanted to follow from the beginning and. So I applied, I got it, and honestly, didn't know a lot about it going in. I just kind of knew like this was a, a a pathway and you were in it all four years. And so I just kind of really went into it with an open mind and I love it. It's been amazing. Um, the cool thing about RUSP is because you can join it through each of your four years. Um, so you could be a third year going to your fourth year and decide you want to do RUSP and join for that last, last year. Um, and then you get put into a clinical jazz group, which is our kind of like our small groups. That's what they're called. And, um, you're in there for the next, however many years you're going to be in medical school. So I got my group and then, um, and there was fourth year students in it, third year students and second year students. So I had a wide array. Um, and I think this was one of the first, um, and one of the only opportunities I've really gotten to connect with students that are older than me. And I think that's just been a really cool part of the experience, um, to meet older students in a way that's like really easily accessible um, once a month meetings. And I've made some good friends that have graduated, are going to graduate here soon, um, or have graduated this past year. And it's been awesome. I really have enjoyed it.
1: So tell us a little bit about clinical jazz, because for those who are current medical student, we all know that we have small groups on Friday and Honestly, a lot of us might complain about it or might not like it. Other other people might be enjoying it and like actually being productive. Sometimes those small groups turn into like just talking about life in med school and complaining about everything. So how's clinical jazz? What was what is it different from our regular small groups?
2: Yeah, absolutely. There is a formalized like structure. I know there's some structure to small group that we have during um the semester every week. Um, but, uh, clinical jazz has a flow specifically for it. Um, and it's also only once a month. So that's like the nice thing is if you're interested in RUSP and you're like, oh, I'm doing all these other things. Um, it's really not a super big time commitment and a lot of what you get in, you get out of it, what you put into it. Um, but clinical jazz is once a month and you go and you're with your small group and all the students, and there's a jotter for each, uh for each session. So those are known ahead of time. And the jotter is to come with a dilemma. And this dilemma can be about anything, which is the coolest part about clinical jazz is it doesn't have to be about school. People talk about personal lives. People talk about um, their clinical experience, like older students. People talk about um, dilemmas that they have in preclinical years. Um, so it's really, it's just kind of like a very good community. So they present this dilemma to the group and they draw a picture with it because it is a different way to tell your story. You can oftentimes get different information. And then the group members start to ask questions. And then you're probably going, what does this have to do with medicine? How does this have to do with being a better medical student, being a better physician? Well, the point of these activities is to learn how to ask open-ended questions. So, The student comes, the jotter comes with their dilemma, and then all the students are tasked with asking open-ended questions, Um, which, you know, if you don't know an open-ended question, it's just a question that does not require a yes or no answer or a single word answer. So it um, pushes the jotter into explaining more about their dilemma. So we do that, you know, usually for as long as it takes, usually around like 30, 35 minutes. And then after we've got done collecting our information, we as a group take a step back without the jotter in the conversation. And we really decide is the question that they posed and the dilemma that they posed at the beginning of the session, really their actual dilemma that they're facing. Because oftentimes we can say we're having a dilemma with something and a problem with something, but there's really an underlying cause. So with the open-ended questions, we can really get to the root of what that dilemma is. and as for everything, people have a say in these things. So then we bring back the jotter and we ask them, do you agree with this? Do you think this is the, like, do you think this is the root of the problem? And do you think you agree with this? And they could say yes or no. Um, and usually the groups are pretty good and are like, and the jotter is like, yeah, that's actually definitely what I'm feeling. And it's a more specific answer. Um And hopefully you get down to the dilemma and the question to be uh, attainable, actionable, like kind of like your SMART goals kind of thing. And then we spend the rest of the session like offering advice. So the best part is it's a a community and everybody has different lived experiences um, and different things that they bring to the table. And you can offer that to um, your fellow classmates. And it's really cool to be able to get advice whether it be for personal or school um related things from people who have either done it before, people who have fresh perspectives or people that are just like sympathizing with you and just being like yeah, like this is a really hard time and like maybe I don't have a lot of advice for you but I'm here and I support you. Um and then that concludes it up. It's an hour and a half session once a month um led by two faculty members, two faculty or staff members and it's just a great time for community and allowing um, like fellowship between your classmates to learn more about them outside of just the classroom space and academia and getting to know that, you know, everybody has their own story and maybe you don't know every part of it. And that's just super exciting to get to know people on like a deeper level.
1: So how many peoples are in each group, I guess, because you said there's two faculties and
2: one student from each class or more than one one student? Um, it's can be more than one student. I think um, right now we don't have, in my, my group specifically, we had one fourth year who just graduated and then we have a couple, I think two or three um, now fourth years and then no first years or upcoming second years right now in our group. So I think they just kind of get distributed evenly. So I think there's about eight to 10 of us in the group maybe and not everybody comes every time um, there's like requirements. So you have to go to like six out of eight, your first two years. And then once you get into your clinical years, they reduce the amount that you have to go because, you know, we have life things and they're usually in the evenings and some rotations require you to be um, at the hospital longer. So. Yeah.
1: Awesome. And then we have like with dress, there's another uh, meeting with your coach or you get like assigned coach. Yes,
2: so can yes. we talk about this? Yeah. So each uh, for your first, um, well, in your pre preclinical years, this is as much as I know because this is all I've done. Uh, we I had to meet with my coach, which is a um, a faculty member, I believe um, most, if not all, are physicians, and they're just there to mentor you. And mine um, is a retired physician in the area, and I would go sit on her porch. And we would just sit and talk and um, she was just kind of there to for me to bounce ideas off, let her know how I was doing for her to provide advice to me. I mentioned that I was interested in obi Um, and she gave me some books from her personal collection and said that they uh, she really enjoyed them and gave them to me for me to read. I um, have not got to them yet. I um, don't have a lot of time for that personal reading, um, <clears throat> other than a textbook. But yeah, it was like been really nice to meet with her. I so I met with her four different times. I don't think I meet with her again. Um, but she did say in our last meeting, she was like, "Well, I'll look forward to seeing you on your graduation day." Um, and she says she tries to make it a point to uh, go to all of her mentees' graduations. So that's
0: very cool. And I love that. That's that's one aspect of RUSP I really like is that interaction and and you pick up mentors as you go. Um, When you do cases, so we know when we're when and if you're not a medical student, you'll find out you have a certain uh, block of time that you're studying a certain thing. So when you do the cases in your small group, you kind of know what's coming. Like if it's, you know, H-E-N-T week, then, you know, like Jimmy's got an earache, you're going to go from there. So how refreshing is it in rust to have cases that you don't know what's coming at you?
2: Yeah, it's super nice. And honestly, it's such a step back. I remember the first time I went to Clinical Jazz, I think I brought like, you know, my iPad. I was like ready to sit there and take notes. And I was like, okay, like I was kind of, honestly to be completely honest, the first time I was like, man, I think I have something coming up next week and I got to like study and I feel behind. I was like, ah, like I signed up for this thing as most people do in medical school. They sign up for something and then it comes time to like actually do it. And you're like, oh, should I have actually done this? And then I went and I had Dr. Krop and Dr. Casapula as my first uh, clinical jazz like leaders. And it was an amazing experience. And I was like, oh, like I can really just like kind of let down my guard. I can be a, a human. I don't have to make sure I'm like saying everything right on the first one. There's no right answer. Um, And it was just interesting to think about people in not so clinical of a way. Like these are issues that people are having. Sometimes when we're presented with cases in classes, it's a very formulated like textbook kind of like case that you're like, ah, oh, okay. Like, you know, and you see everything all at once while with this is like they're presenting you with one question and they kind of give a little background as to why they're like presenting this question or dilemma. And then you're like, okay, like I have to figure out what's next. And so it's really um, it's very been a very challenging and eye-opening experience because you just don't know what they're gonna ask. And then you're like, Okay, well, now I gotta think of a question, and oh, it's gotta be open-ended. So I know me and my group members um oftentimes have been like, Ask a question and then be like, wait a second, that wasn't open-ended. Let me rephrase this. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed it helps me a ton in CTACs. And uh I'm like, we'll get like, you know, what we'll know what CTAC. Um, and if you don't know CTAC, it's like the practice patient cases that we that we go into the patient room in in school and there's been instances where we do some ones that are like sensitive, sensitive topics and are like, just talk with them for the next 15 minutes and just get to know more about them. And I'm like, oh, I've done Rust. I have no problem with this. Asking open-ended questions. Cool. I can do this. Uh, and so it's really helped me in that way.
0: And also the, the added value of storytelling. I think that's a big part of Rust at the Open Book Project. So many things that we do now at the college that have been developed over the last few years, that storytelling is so important in a practice
2: yeah, it really humanizes the whole experience. Um, and I think that's why it's so important for what the purpose of RUSP is too. Like you want to serve underserved communities. Um, and being from Appalachia and being from rural America, it's so important to, and I feel this really passionately about, um, People that are not from the area coming to the area about how important it is to realize that everybody has a different story, everybody has a different education level, everybody has a different exposure level. Um, and coming into those experiences with an open mind that maybe somebody doesn't, you know, uh see things the way that you see them, but there's my most often a common ground that you can find. Um and just really having that opportunity to ask open-ended questions, to get to know a patient, to be like, what is your understanding of something um, in a way that's not judgmental or um, assuming? And to be like, yeah, let me just get get to know you and like pick your brain a little bit. Oh, okay. I see where you're coming from there. Actually, this actually relates, even though we might not have any similar backgrounds, I can actually relate to uh, to you in this way. And I think that's just a very powerful experience. And I think that it's a very... Um, what was the word it's a very human experience I feel like there's a lot of things that everybody wants to be divided in and when really if you just like sat down and have a conversation with somebody you would be able to find a lot more similarities and differences
1: this is really cool also like hearing your experience is getting me so excited to start like my second year in be part of us uh, so that, that's really nice I have attended workshops alongside of you, even though I was not a RASP student, so let's talk about workshops. What type of workshops uh, usually, I guess, Rust run?
2: Yeah, so really, I think Rust workshops really focus on understanding the human experience and that there are these multitude of experiences that people have um, and knowing how to best be equipped to handle them. I think... Um, I like to not use the word culturally competent because cult- competent would mean that you are all knowing that if I'm competent in a subject, it means that I am proficient in it and I know what I'm doing, but rather use the word, the words, cultural humility. And I think Rust really enca- encapsulates that to be like, you know what? I don't know everything. I will probably never know everything, but I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to try. Um, so There are workshops that they put on all throughout the year. You're not required to go to all of them. I think you're required to go to like three a year. um, And that's as a first and second year. And I think the requirement um, decreases to maybe like two in your third and fourth years. Um, But I've attended multiple for urban settings, um, Black maternal health, and talking to people that are in doing that work right now um, and getting their perspectives. We, I did the... Um, The ISMS workshop, which is just how to navigate um, various like racism, sexism, um, all of those things in healthcare settings and even beyond healthcare settings because we've had uh, non-healthcare students come to those workshops as well. And I've attended things about rural healthcare and how to navigate those because while they're both underserved populations, they both hold specific needs. Um, And I think it's a great opportunity, whether you're interested in urban or rural healthcare to get those and see kind of just a little glimpse into what l- working with those communities looks like. A lot
1: of those workshops are usually open to all students, whether they are part of RESP or not. Usually they're included in our weekly newsletter, or we might get uh, emails about it. So that kind of makes it unique because for me, I knew I wanted to join RESP during my first year. But the deadline passed because I got accepted really late, so I just attended the workshop out of curiosity and see like the topics. And man, I learned so much from those workshops that I attended. It was like such an eye opening too, because they also bring experts on the topics. So like, I think one time they they brought experts about like we were talking about zip codes and like how we can get care for patients from specific areas that they don't have access to healthcare. So that's kind of really cool thing about RESP in general, because it's open for all students.
2: Yeah. And it's best definitely if you're somebody that's like, you know what, I have huge time commitments elsewhere Um, because there are people like that. They're like, I would love to do this, but I really can't give that time. And, you know, you want to respect people's not able to give those time, but it doesn't mean you're not interested. So I think it's really great that they open that up to everybody to be like, you know, this actually is something that Um, interests me, and I'm just going to go check it out. And so it's been nice to see non rust students there as well, um, because you really, especially if you're interested in serving underserved populations, um, no matter what practice you go into, you're probably going to see an underserved patient. Um, And I think it's important that everybody has at least a little glimpse um, into maybe best serving those patients. So we have talked
1: about the requirement of trust, which is, the clinical jazz, the coaching, and the workshops, but there's also encouraged activities. So have you ever done the summer immersion experience or like the scholar
2: activities or any of the outside of requirement? I dabbled in thinking about doing um, the uh, scholarly activity and the immersion program, but I was really busy um, and I knew the year I was getting into, so I decided not to do that. Um but that is only available if you are joined before you start. So like that's going to be something that if you join before your first year, you can get into. Um and it was something I wanted to do, but it was just something that I didn't quite have the time or the mental capacity to add onto my schedule. Um but yeah, really cool experiences. They have like scholarship um not scholar uh funding um for various travel things. And um, I'd actually had a meeting with Dr. Casapula about some possibilities. And then after weighing out everything that I had to do, I unfortunately had to pass on um, the summer immersion. But if I would um, have not had some of the opportunities that I had last summer, I definitely would have taken a a deeper dive into what I could have done. And um, I think that would have been a really cool experience.
0: Well, I think that's another important thing about rust. I mean, it does also help you learn to edit. Um, what you can and can't do in a given time with everything going on with, every, you know, with what is happening. The great thing is students still talk about it. So you still get some, you know, you get a, a glimpse of what's going on from talking to the other students in RUSP. Um, what have you found has changed in you because of the Rust program? How did Megan change from RUSP?
2: How did Megan change from RUSP? Hmm. I think... So a little bit, I've always been passionate about rural, just life in general. Um, And I came in knowing I wanted to do underserved medicine. So I've kind of like gone back and forth. Um, I was like, I've lived in rural America my entire life. I want to go and serve urban populations. Um, And I really focused on going to a lot of workshops that focused on urban underserved populations and getting to know that perspective. But I think um to be completely honest, I didn't do any of my workshops uh this past fall, so I had to do them all in spring semester. Um cuz I just didn't plan very well and I had to go to ones that, you know, were available on my schedule. So it went I went to some rural ones and completely honest i was like i don't really need to go to rural workshops i've lived in rural america my whole life what do i what am i going to gain from a rural workshop that i don't already know i don't need to sit here and listen to how people don't um the stereotypes that people think about rural people and how to best serve them i was like i know that i live that but i attended them and i was like wow you know maybe that's a possibility for me again maybe i was so focused on what i didn't want to do, that I really just didn't take a minute to be like, hmm, let me think about this for a minute. So I'm definitely leaning back again towards rural um, and being like, you know, I have a really, uh, I was actually um, talking about it with my partner today. I have a really unique opportunity um, in as who I am as an Appalachian and a very proud Appalachian, but somebody who can really influence um, change and The political climate of everything that's going on and stereotypes and uh, polarizing topics I think what I've learned from growing up here in Athens um, and the knowledge that I've gained as a communicator as an educator uh, there's like I said earlier there's a lot more common ground and I think that there's so much power in having a conversation with somebody and finding that common ground and helping to change their perspective Um, or not even change their perspective, just educate them. There's so many people in rural America that just don't have exposure to things and therefore that's why they're uneducated. doesn't mean that they're necessarily bad people or they have bad thoughts. They just don't know any better. Um, And I don't want to say don't know any better because they're stupid. They just, how are you to know anything else than what you've been told your entire life? Um, And I think just some of the workshops I've been to, I'm like, wow. like. What a cool position that would be in to not only impact somebody's health, but impact somebody's like overall thinking and how they view the world and how they view others. Um, And it just extends uh, your impact beyond just somebody's health. And I think that is super impactful and something I've gotten from some of the sessions and from some of the people that I've met in my clinical jazz group and seeing their work and being like, yeah, you know what, like this is really cool. And I have the privilege um, to, you know, be able to potentially be somebody that they really listen to, because maybe I look like them and I'm from them and I grew up in the same place as them. And they're like, yeah, maybe this girl kind of knows what she's talking about. And I like want to hear her opinion. Uh, and so I've done a little bit of that in just like my personal life and with some people in my community. And I think it'd just be an awesome extension of that into my professional life.
0: Wow, that, that is powerful. That is really good. Megan Trout, thank you. We really appreciate taking time out of your board study to talk to us about Rust. Uh, it's a great program. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Suzanne Char, any last thoughts from you?
1: That was a mic drop. Wasn't was Megan? Mic drop. I was like, I, I, totally I can't. Totally agree.
0: Yeah, it was a <laughs> mic drop. You're on the money there. Anyway, thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. We'll be back next week with yet another episode. We've got a couple hey, of Thank you,
2: guys. Thank Thank you. you.
0: Study well. We'll talk to everybody soon. Take care. Take care of each other. Be nice. Be nice humans. Give it a shot. Uh, Until then, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Information, views, and ideas presented on this podcast are solely those of the authors and contributors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy, views, or position of the Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine. Ohio University, or Health System Affiliations. Information presented on this podcast is intended to provide information which may be helpful to medical students. It is not intended to be a substitute for formal mentoring and or replace academic guidance provided by medical schools or other professionals. The Please Use the Mic podcast is the property of Suzanne Char and Mark Loudon.